This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and co-hosting with me today is Mike Gregg. This is the Player Ratings Show, and during this episode, we'll be going through the player ratings and comments of Ryan O'Donovan from Football Dot London from the full match against Southampton. Then Mike Gregg will be sharing his ratings and his comments from that match as well. We have much to get through, but before I do anything, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show, Mr. Gregg. How you doing? Yeah, hi, Russ. Yeah, doing well. Uh, looking forward to doing a show and talking about a, a win, uh, which has been a long time coming. But, uh, yeah, doing well. Well, great, Michael. Listen, we've got a good amount to go through. But before we get started going through our player ratings, and, and also I'm going to bring up some talking points that uh, Ryan O'Donovan brought up on London as well. He wrote an article today that talks about crucial matches coming up, and I thought it would be a a great way to start the show by looking at these seven matches coming up and see where you project Fulham to be, where they need to be going into the new year, the new calendar year. So his article is entitled The Seven Crucial Games That Will Set Fulham Up to Save Their Premier League Season. And this is what Ryan wrote a little into his article. Between now and the start of 2019, we should have a much clearer picture of what exactly Fulham will need to do to ensure they're a Premier League club next season after enduring an awful start to a campaign which has seen them win just twice and already part ways with Savisio Konovic. There's a game nearly every four days on average in December, and it's a big month for making or breaking a season. And here we've taken a look at the huge seven games Fulham will face as they look to save their season. I'm just going to share the games. You can actually go on 
football.london and read the comments from Ryan on these seven games. But Mike, just going to do this little exercise, and I want you to give me what they need to come out with in each one of these matches. So let's start with December 2nd, Chelsea versus Fulham. Do they need to get anything from this match? Can they get anything from this match? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, we need to get something from all the games, really. But uh, if you're going to be realistic um, and look at the seven games coming up, you know, Chelsea, it's, it's going to be really tough to get anything from If you get a draw, then that's a great result. But, uh, you know, realistically, I think um, most fans will put it down as a loss and we'll be looking at other games where we'll pick results. But, um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I... Unfortunately, I do expect us to lose this week. Okay. Rest of these matches, I want you to just predict what you think Fulham need to do in each one of these matches to be where we want them to be, and that's safe by the end of the season. So let's now look at December 5th. A few days later, Fulham versus Leicester City, Mike. Your prediction? Yeah, well, Leicester, um, they're sort of bobbing along, aren't they, in the, in the middle of the table? You know, unfortunately, they lost their chair, their owner uh, recently. Um, but also you've got Ranieri facing his old team. Um, but he's at home, so we've got to be targeting home games, um, certainly against any of the teams out of the top six. So, uh, you know, I think one of the rare midweek games we're going to have this year, and I, I'm looking for us to uh, get a win against Leicester. Okay, great, Mike. All right, let's move forward now. After Leicester City going to Old Trafford against Manchester United. Your thoughts, Mike? Well, again, you know, it's a game you're probably going to expect to lose, but United, I mean, it's been shown. Haven't played you know, well this season, there, Mike. No, they haven't. Um, there's always a chance we get a hard-fought thing to get a draw up there, absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I just think we've, we're just not, we haven't got the players, I don't think, to to get a result at the really big stadiums. And um, so I'm, I'm going to have to go for a loss, even though United are faltering a bit. They've uh, they're still got quality players. Okay, very good, Mike. Let's now go to, to December 15th. Home against West Ham. Well, West Ham actually have quite a good record against all the teams near the bottom. But uh, again, it's a home game. Uh, we need to be... Uh, beating the team sort of in the top, in the bottom seven or eight positions. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I think we're going to have enough to win that game as well. So, uh, yeah, got that one down as a win. Okay, excellent, Mike. Let's move on to December 22nd. On the road against Newcastle United. Yeah, I'm going to put this down as a defeat. Just uh, the fact that it's up at Newcastle and... Uh, Again, a team that's not doing great, but um, I think they're going to have a bit a bit too much for us up there. So, uh, unfortunately, that'd be another loss on the road. Okay. Then we go back to Craven Cottage on December 26th against Wolves, Boxing Day. Mike, thoughts? Well, Wolves are on a really bad run of form at the moment. Um, I mean, they've only picked up four points in the last six games. They started so well. Um, Hopefully that's going to continue. So, uh, you know, and it also shows, you know, they did really well last year, but it's a tough league. Um, but it's a home game. We need to be looking at a win. And uh, I'm, I actually, I'm going to put this, 
game down as a draw, I think, uh, you know, Boxing Day is always a bit stale, really. Right. So, uh, yeah, a draw. Okay. Very good there, Mike. Okay, let's move forward. And let's now look at December 29th, full mat home against Huddersfield Town. So it's got to be a win. And, you know, it's as simple as that. Huddersfield are going to be down there with us. We, uh, we didn't get the result. The other week, um, it's probably the game really that eventually cost Jukanovic's job, even though he still had the Liverpool game to come. But uh, yeah, there's there's no excuses for that one. We need to be winning it. Okay, excellent, Mike. All right, if I did my math correctly, you have three victories and one draw. And let's ex- take out the Huddersfield Town match for just one second, okay? Let's just concentrate on the two victories and the draw that you have, because right now Fulham have eight points. And if we go by your projections here, you would then have us at 15 points halfway through the season. So you like to do these projections, Mike. How far off would we be to feeling like we can be safe to stay in the Premier League? That's halfway through the season. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things. Anyone who follows me will see that I do the projections, which is yes. just based sort of average points and uh, and that type of thing. Um, I mean, at the moment, if we had 15 points, then uh, it looks like we would be out the bottom three um, for sure. Um, you know, maybe 16th, 17th, if, if things continue as they are. I'm not expecting them to continue as they are. Things will level out, although, you know, this is a very, very low scoring season for the teams at the bottom of the table. But really, from the position where we were, which was five points from 12, if we can get to the halfway point, with 15 points, you know, picking up, you know, 10 points in over that run of games, then uh, that that's a good return. And then realistically, I'm I'm sort of thinking that 34 will be enough to stay up. Okay. So so for the first half of the season, if we can get 15, um, which includes you know that dreadful six-game run, <laughs> if we can then pick up 19 somewhere in the second right. half. Um, then that will be enough. So we really need to be if we're if we if we're at the halfway stage, if we're you know, Wolves Huddersfield game, if we haven't got fifteen, eighteen points by that stage, then um I think it will be a real, real struggle for us to stay up. Uh, okay. just um you know, we need to keep in touch with everyone else. We need to probably get away from Cardiff who I expect to be rock bottom on uh, New Year's Day. So, uh, so yeah, we need that kind of figure. So we certainly need to pick up, you know, if you include the Huddersfield game, we we need to pick up at least two wins, preferably three. And if we can get four somewhere, which is some games, uh, that would be a great return. But um, so, yeah, we need to be about eight, 17, 18 points come the turn of the year. Okay. Excellent, Mike. And, that would be your projection, 18 points, if we're including the Huddersfield Town match going into the beginning of the, the new calendar year. So that's why I want to talk about it. So I want, just wanted to get your feedback. You look at these projections closely. So that's very interesting. This is something to look at. And I'm glad that Ryan wrote this article because I think these next seven matches are crucial and we can learn a lot about what Fulham need for the second half of the season going into the new year. Like I said, the Huddersfield Town match is technically the first game of the second half of the season. All right, my friend, let's now look at the match against Southampton. Fulham victory, that's always good. And 
before we go through player ratings, I thought it would be interesting to look at the comments, talking points from Ryan O'Donovan after the match. Uh, he wrote this on uh, football.london, and then we'll go through the player ratings. This is uh, what he wrote, Mike. This article is entitled Alexander Mitrovich is key to foam and Tom Kearney's new role. Talking points from Southampton. I'll just read the talking points. I'll just read a little bit from the first part because I find it interesting because it talks about the starting 11 in the formation, Mike, and I'm very curious your thoughts on this. So here's the first thing we're going to talk about. This is, again, Fulham against Southampton. His first talking point, Claudio Ranieri's first starting lineup. And into the article, this is what he wrote. One of the biggest talking points ahead of the 3-2 victory over Southampton was how Claudio Ranieri would set his foam side up. And with just one change from Savisi Jokanovic's final starting 11, it was a su- surprise to most in the press room. But once we saw them on the pitch, it was clear that Ranieri had weaved his influence on the 4-2-3-1 Fulham started with. In possession, Ryan Sessignon and Andre Scherl pushed up with Tom Kearney, who was playing just off Alexander Mitrovic, making it a front four with three of them sitting just behind the Serbian striker, interlinking play and trying to get their striker in on goal. Out of possession, Sherla and Sessignon dropped deeper to make a midfield four with Calum Chambers and Jean-Michael Sarri, who were playing a deeper central midfield role. It showed that Ranieri had been placing an emphasis on defensive shape in the past couple of weeks since his appointment, and despite a few hiccups and some iffy moments, it looked to be a very good display of tactical defensive work from the Fulham players. And after the game, Ranieri said that his side must do better as they allowed too many shots on Sergio Rico, who had an inspired game and goal once more, but that it would take all year and next year to sort the defense out. With just 37% possession, the win over Southampton shows a clear difference in style between Jokanovic and Ranieri, and while it shows possession doesn't win football matches, there's still a lot to do on, on, on the defensive side of things for Fulham. All right, Mike, thoughts on the first talking point, dealing with the lineup and the formation. He basically has it as a 4-2-3-1 going forward and then defensively basically a 4-4-2, which is interesting. I actually saw a post on Friends of Fulham. I mentioned this on the post-match show. And I mentioned you, Mike, along with, I believe his name was Matt Ten, his handle on Friends of Fulham, that it was a 4-4-2. And you said it might have been 4-4-2, possibly 4-4-1-1. What are your thoughts about what Ryan shared there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the interesting thing is that there was a combination of formation used. There, there certainly was the 4-2-3-1. There was 4-4-2 at times, and there was 4-4-1-1. But, you know, it wasn't the strict, I mean, he's only had a few days, hasn't he? But I mean, it right. wasn't the Roy, it wasn't the Roy four four two, and it, no. it certainly wasn't. Um, it was quite fluid. Uh, I mean, I thought it was noticeable in the first half that. Um, so in the first half, I'm looking side on uh, with the attackers really in front of it. So I, I saw Mitrovic and and Kearney more, and so Kearney was certainly behind Mitrovic for for much of that half. I thought he was too far away from Siri as well. And the two wide men, Schuller and Sessionon, they both dropped back when we when we didn't have the ball. And it, it did become like a 4-4 and then 1-1 or 4-4-2, yeah. depending on on which Saints player had the ball, really. Um, you know, Mitch Rich were going 
closed down or Kearney were closed down. But the, the Chambers and Siri certainly played closer to each other. Um, so the sort of two deeper players were there. But like I say, first up, I thought Kearney was too far away from Siri. So it, it was much more to me a 4 4 1 1 when defending. Um, and then attacking it sort of, you know, became much more sort of the four two three one that we're used to. But um, yeah, I mean, then the second half it became much more strict. It became and it almost did become four four two really because Kenny seemed to uh, push up a lot more. Mitrovic's come a bit deeper because we saw Kenny's influence second half right. a lot more. But, but also, I had Christie and, and initially Scherler in front of me. And they were definitely, you know, closer and, and backing up each other. And we were under a lot more pressure at times, second half, I thought, as well. So so the, the interesting things there were certainly there was a back four, and that was probably the best unit of a back four we've seen this season. When you look at average Agreed. positions, they were, uh, you know, they were all fairly close to each other. Um, interesting enough, Marchand, I, I never thought he had it in him to get <laughs> that far forward. But, um, you know, he did well, and I thought Chris, who I, I've always said got a bit of a raw deal with the Arsenal game, the criticism he got in that. I thought he did really well as well. So uh, so it was good. It was an interesting formation. Whether we go ahead, continue with that, I'm not sure. But I think if you want Siri and Kearney in the same team, um, then I suspect Ranieri's going to uh, stick with this for the time being. Mike, what was interesting about this, and we talked about this on the post-match show, the possession number, obviously, very, very low, which is interesting to take away from this match. But we talked about the fact that the one-touch passing was excellent at times, Mike, going forward. So we didn't have a lot of possession, but it was the quality of the possession, the way that they were able to take advantage of their opportunities with this one-touch passing. I want your thoughts about the lack of possession that we had, but what we did with it. Well, I'm not going to take anything away from Southampton either because I thought the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, I thought they were very good. I thought um, I you know, they're the, they were passing the ball around. We couldn't really get near it. I, I did something yesterday on Twitter, actually, where I broke down the number of passes we made every 15 minutes. That. So the first 15 minutes you know, was the highest number of passes we had, and then it slowly decreased as yeah. the halves very went on. Um yeah, and it, and what we weren't doing, we did, we were still passing it around a little bit at the back of Doyle and Mawson and uh, and that kind of thing. But what what I thought we saw a bit more was when it went wider um, or through the middle, they weren't looking to give it all the way back to the fullback, so or the or the centre back. So we're used to Jukanovic wanting to keep the ball f- yep. for a long time. Um, and no matter what happened, we would go backwards if we had to to build again. There certainly wasn't that that much of that happening um, at all, and we were trying to quicker forward. So that's not over the top. That's not going long. It, it's just a matter of you know if you're facing forward, you get the ball forward. You look for Shirley. You look for Session on. You know, and and the goals and the build up to them all, you know, shows us. That's the way we were playing, and but the possession stats were also a reason. You know, defensively, at times we weren't mucking around, and yep. you know, we'll talk about Chambers a little bit later on. But you yes. know, his job there seemingly was just to you know get rid of it. Um, <laughs> so 
But I, again, you know, I, I don't want to take away from Southampton. They, yeah. they might be on a bad run. They're down there with us, but they've still got good players. And they, they do. They, they caused us a lot of problems. And in the end, yes, we won. Um, was it thoroughly deserved? Um, if I was really honest, I'd probably say no. But of, we're going to take it anyway. Exactly, Mike. We'll take it any way we can, my friend. All right. Another talking point from Ryan was Alexander Mitrovic is key to Fulham playing well. Do you agree with that? Well, he's certainly key to scoring. Um, I'm going to get a bit of stick for this, I suspect. But actually, okay. I thought I thought the first 20 minutes, I thought he was dreadful. Um, his body language, um, he did a, a very weak pass to Sherlock. He had the ball on the left. It was a nothing ball. So he was right in front of us, really. So I could see his, his facial expressions and he just didn't quite look with it. Um, and then, of course, you know, Ryan does a, uh, you know, Ryan does a great move. Um, we get a goal, as you know, and Marchand gets crossing and, and Mitrovic scores. So, you know, he's it, it suddenly changed. He's, he's the guy. He, Mitrovic is the guy. As soon as he gets a goal, he wants the ball, and after that, for the next hour, I thought he was great. Um, yeah. But certainly that first 20 minutes, I wasn't impressed at all. <laughs> at all. But, um, you know, this is why man, man in the match goes to people who score goals, because, uh, you know, they are the match winners, and uh, he is key to us. Okay. And and Schoeller is as well, because he's a, he's a really good finisher. Um, he is. Whether right, whether right midfield is the right position for him, that's another <laughs> question, but um, yeah, Mitrovic is absolutely. I mean, what do we pay for him? 22 million, 23 million plus, plus extras. That's right. Christ, you know, I, let's not be shocked if someone comes in in January with a massive, massive offer for him. I wouldn't be expecting that, Mike, if he keeps scoring goals the way that he is. All right, another talking point is this no big max for the team just yet. That's talking about clean sheets. You know, that was what uh, Claudio Ranieri was talking about in his press. Now, this is uh, obviously something that he strives for. We're talking about Ranieri. So, basically, I want to get your thoughts on the defense. Did you see improvement under Ranieri? I know it's just one match, but I just want your thoughts on it. I thought we still got seen. I mean, Rico made, you know, what, five good saves at it's least. fantastic. Or, you know, yeah, um, you know, double save as well. There was a, uh, one in the second half high up. You can't blame him for any of the goals. Um, as a unit, they worked better. Um, I, I, I'm not going to blame any of them for the for the two goals we let in. Um, I thought, you know, Marchand was pretty much like Marchand's been all the time. And uh, but I, I really thought Mawson made a difference. Um, and really, is a travesty that we haven't seen him until the last couple of games. Really, yes, he's had a couple of poor performances, but then seemed to be out of the game for what six 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 games in a row, sub or five games, something like that. Um, he's, we've spent big money on him and he's an experienced Premier League defender and he should be there. But Doi was a Doi. As anyone knows me, he knows I'm not a fan of his. And in the end, we still lit in two goals though. That's right. So uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in that back line. Um, I was glad to see Brian back on the, the bench and I would expect him to replace Marchand sooner rather than later. I agree with that. Um, and I'll stick with Christie. Um, I thought he did well. 
Um, he impressed me, Mike, we, because I've really been a critic of his, and I thought he did a nice job. Yeah, no, I, I like Christie. I mean, I think he could cross the ball a bit quicker. Um, and defensively, he he seems to get a bit tired, sort of mentally, very similar to what Fredericks was like. Maybe it's just the kind of style of fullbacks they are, um, that they get, you know, because they get forward so much, they get tired. But no, I thought they did their job. Defensive uh, first, um, and that's what's been needed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I doubt he'll make a change for the next game, but longer term, um, I can see the centre-back and the left-back changing. Okay, excellent there, Mike. All right, I'll just share one more talking point. The, the last talking point for Ryan was obviously one victory in 10 matches, which uh, is not great, but this talking point I think is interesting that we definitely should talk about. Tom Kearney's new role, Mike, and uh, I was actually impressed with Kearney in this match. Do you think this is a, a new way to get the most out of him? Do you think Ranieri is using him to really just emphasize his strengths here? Well, I think he used him um, in that position because of Siri as well. So, as I said earlier, if you're going to play those two in the game and you're going to play with two defensive um, midfielders, which is what I think we need to do, Yep. then it doesn't leave many positions for Kearney to play in because we've seen him out on the right where he's ineffective. So what it does is it gives you another midfielder in the middle. I've been saying all along, I thought we need three central midfielders and uh, and Kearney can drop back. I thought the first half he was a little bit lost, um, wasn't quite with it. Um, but second half, he got a bit more space, got a bit closer to Siri, which allowed him to then drive forward, which is the Tom Kearney we know. That's right. And um, and he became a lot more influ- influential in the game. So, uh, yeah, it could be, you know, managers stumble across <laughs> combinations and formations. Roy being um, a prime example, you know, Andy Johnson gets injured, Gearer has to go and play in that kind of That's role, right. which is what Kearney did. Absolutely. And maybe that's the way forward for us is to... Uh, keep Kenny in that position. It, it means he doesn't have yeah. to get involved too much in the defensive tackling side of it, which isn't one of his strengths. Um, and I thought Siri did fine for, for the hour and a bit he was on. So, uh, yeah, um, he's got to... Tom's got to prove that, he, you know, the Premier League is his, his place to be. And uh, we're in the number 10. It's an ideal position for him. Okay, excellent there, Mike. All right, let's now get into the player ratings. I'm going to share the player ratings of Ryan O'Donovan and his comments on each player, and then I want your comments and your player ratings as well, Mike. Let's start with Sergio Rico. Ryan O'Donovan of Football Down London gave him a seven. This is what he wrote. Made a very good double save early in the half and looked confident with crosses into his box. Was called upon in 72nd minute to make a strong reflex save and keep Fulham's lead intact. Made another great save right at the death from Obafemi to keep his side in the lead. All right, Mike, do you agree or disagree with a seven for Sergio Rico? Yeah, I might stretch to a seven and a half, possibly an eight, but, you know, he let in two goals. But um, I thought he did everything really well. So I'd, I'd actually give him a seven and a half. I thought he'd, Ryan marked him a little bit down on that one. Okay. Let's now go to Cyrus Christie at right back. Ryan also gives him a seven. This is what he wrote. 
fell asleep at the throw in that allowed the cross in for Southampton's first goal, but otherwise had a decent first half. Much improved performance from Christie, who did very well going forward. Agree or disagree, Mike? Well, as I said, <laughs> he does fall asleep occasionally, gets mentally tired. But um, yep. no, I thought seven's a fair result, a fair, fair mark for him. I thought he did well, everything he was asked to do. Yeah, he had a difficult thing, you know, Redmond and uh, and target against him, and um, I thought he coped admirably. Okay, let's now go to left back Maxime Lamarchand. Ryan also gives him a seven. This is what he wrote. Could have done better with his headed clearance for Southampton's first, but produced a lovely ball for Mitrovic's goal. Impressed as the game went on at left back, defended well and getting forward. I'm surprised with him getting forward because, I, I, like you said earlier, I didn't see that in him, Mike, what we've seen from him before, but he got it done. Do you agree with a seven? Yeah, I agree with a seven for Marsh Andy. Um... He covers a lot of ground, you know. He's a big guy, but he, he certainly got to that ball to get across in, um, and probably got a nosebleed in doing it. But uh, <laughs> no, he, you know, I did left back, and uh, yeah, seven seven is fine. He was pretty solid. Okay, I'm going to give you both centre backs together. Ryan gives both of them six. Alfie Moss, and this is what he says, what he wrote: decent performance from Moss in the heart of defence. He made sure he was in good positions and made sure he guided his back four through the game. Adoy also, like I mentioned, gets a six. A decent game, the heart of defense from Adoy. He didn't do much wrong, and it was a good all-round performance. Do you agree with those ratings, Mike? No, I'd mark them both for one mark higher. I'd give them both seven. So, okay. yes, we lit in two goals. Um, but as I said earlier, they uh, I wouldn't put it down to uh, the defence, and uh, I was the main thing for me is seeing Mawson play, and uh, you know I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to go from strength to strength. Okay, excellent. All right, Mike, let's talk about Callum Chambers. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Saw a lot of the ball in the first half, but couldn't find that final pass. Struggled to get in the right positions and mop up second balls. Now, on full-time, it was uh, Emilio who was critical of his passing. I just want to mention that I think that he appreciated some of his game but was critical of some of these passes that Ryan mentions here. What are your thoughts? Well, I couldn't disagree with Ryan more when I saw this. I mean, I, I know. aside, really, honestly, no. Um, I mean, I, I straight after the game, I, I put him down as my man in match. He might, wow. might have been a bit exuberant, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to... Okay. So, yes, his, his passing was appalling at times. Absolutely. He was like he was running on hot, hot coals and, <laughs> you know, and he was, he was doing everything very fast. But I, I think that was his mentality for the game. The mentality of the game was he was a stopper. He was, he was blocking players. He was, he was just getting in the way of the ball. He was clearing it. You know, he, he was basically, he was a defensive midfielder, but without the ability to pass. But that's what he was there for. He, you know, Siri was next to him. Kenny was in front of him. You've got Sherler and Seth to the left and the right. And um, that was all his job was. And I thought his fighting spirit, um, his leadership as well, because uh, he was talking a lot on the pitch, um, his desire to get to the ball. In the second half, he must have cleared the ball certainly twice in the second half inside our own box from crosses. So that shows you how deep, you know, he's almost level with the centre-back. So now I'm going to give Chambers 
man a match because and he even had a shot which okay, i was gonna say he had, he had a nice header mike yeah yeah he, I, yes his passing was poor but as i say i think a lot of it was a bit of a rush to the blood, rush of blood um but also the instructions are were just to get rid of it or get forward and and he did it all and i just thought the free two result which as i said i think southampton we were lucky in some ways but it's a Callan Chambers win, in, if you like, the way we battled. So, uh, yeah, an eight for me. Okay, excellent. Well, that's a pretty big difference there, my friend. Let's now talk about Jean-Michael Serra. You've already been talking about how do both of these players fit, him and Kearney. We'll talk about Kearney right after that. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. Didn't see much of the ball in the first half, but was constantly talking his teammates through the game, something we've not seen yet from him. Question marks over his decision to pull out of a header on the edge and build up to Southampton second. All right, Mike, thoughts on the five from Ryan O'Donovan for Jean-Michael Serry. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree, and I think I'm a bit, I think Ryan's fallen into the trap that some fans fall into. Of, I wouldn't say dislikes him, but just is not seeing the good things that Siri was doing. Um, yes, he was certainly talking to all the team, which I... Um, which I certainly noticed in the first half. You know, when we scored, um, talking to Ryan, talking to Mitrovic, you know, talking to players around him. So along with Chambers, you know, in, in probably a, a different role. Um, there's been criticism of his fighting spirit, but I thought he was getting tackles in as well. Um, first goal, he was. I've seen people say, "Oh, he fell to the ground." Well, I'm sorry if Charlie Austin hits you and you're what five foot six, you're going down. You're going down. So. Right. You know, he got bundled for the first goal. Um, he, he wasn't influential for the first 15 minutes of the second half, hence, hence he got subbed. Um, but I thought the first half he did okay. So, you know, I'm going to give him a six and a half. I thought he was, uh, he, you know, he was, do, he was doing, doing well, certainly better than the five, uh, which is way too low. Okay. Now let's go to Tom Kearney. Ryan gives him a seven. This is what he wrote. Produced a lovely pass to find Le Marchand in the build-up to Fulham's first goal. Seemed to enjoy his more advanced role, meaning he could exploit Southampton's defense further up the pitch with his passes. Mike, do you agree with Ryan's rating and commentary there? I agree with the seven. Um, if it was based on the first half, he might have been a, a five for me, but um, and maybe even the second half, he was an eight. But, uh, you know, as the overall game, I'm going to give him a seven because uh, he was much more influential second half. And, Yes, his passing involving all the goals is really good. And um, you know, and that's the vision that Tom has. We just need to see it a bit more. Absolutely there, Mike. All right. Ryan O'Donovan gives Ryan Sessiona six. This is what he wrote. Was a constant outlet down the left, and he produced a lovely piece of skill to beat Cedric before an inch-perfect cross across the face of goal found Sherlock for his goal. Do you agree or disagree with Ryan O'Donovan six for Ryan Sessiona? Uh, no, I'm going to give him a six and a half. Um, I thought his the skill he showed for the goal, uh, the sort of feint. Um, I've been critical the fact that I don't see him as a winger. Yep. You know, he's not a player who's going to take people on, but he played right on the touchline like uh, he's done previously. He was a little bit more inside, so Marsh End could give him the ball, and he had a bit more space. So, yeah, no, Ryan was um, yeah, I and mean, the cross for the goal without even looking up was was brilliant. But, yeah. uh, you know, overall, 
he's uh, he battled for us, and so yeah, six and a half. Okay, excellent. Let's now talk about Andre Sherla. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a five. This is what he wrote. Didn't do much at all in the first half, but popped up towards the end of the 45 to get on the end of Session's cross and make it two to one. Had a quiet game apart from that goal. I can go along with that, but I do want to mention one thing, Mike, before I go to you and get your rating and your commentary. And I mentioned this on the post-match show, is that uh, his um, play led to uh, – the winning goal, what he did against the defender there led to the winning goal. If he doesn't, you know, close down that player, that defender, then Fulham might not win this match. He kind of set that up. It was a bad pass that ends up with Kearney. So I think, personally, I'm just going to throw this out. I, I think the rating for five is a little too low. That's just my thoughts. Your thoughts. Yeah, I would have given him a six. I, you know, I think out of all the players, he was the, the least effective. I know he did score. Um, but he also had one of the hardest jobs. You know, he had to help Christie against Redmond and Target. Um, but he was there when needed. Um, first 15, 20 minutes, he, he couldn't really seem to keep the ball um, or, or do much with it on the right. But, uh, you know, he did fine. He did his job. Um, Long-term-wise, I, I worry that when he that he won't be able to back up the, uh, the right back enough. Um, but, you know, get him around the, the box and uh, he certainly can finish. And, uh, you know, and, he, and we all know he's a class player. But, yep. uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see, see how it works. And one thing we're missing, I feel, in the squad is a natural right-sided midfielder. You know, I don't think many of them can actually uh, say that, that that's their position. Um, I wouldn't be surprised one day to see Christie play at right midfield. You know, we'll have to wait to see that. But, um, no, Sherlo, I'll, I'll give a six. Okay. Alexander Mitrovic, Ryan O'Donovan gives an eight. This is what he wrote. Good movement to peel off his marker and get his head on across to net his goal. Seemed to lift the side after his goal and got involved more in the game. Lovely technique for his second goal. Okay, Mike, thoughts on the eight? You've already talked a little bit about Mitrovic being great. I think you said after the first 15 minutes. So I'm curious your thoughts on the rating. Well, yeah, like I said, I thought the first half hour he wasn't very good at all. He wasn't very good at all. Um, but you know, he showed the technique for the head um, and the second goal at such an awkward sort of height and angle. Um, but then also he was much more involved in build-ups and defensively as well. We know, you know, getting corners and that he's uh, you know he's, he's getting to the head more than any other Fulham player, I believe. But uh, scoring-wise, uh, it's, it's a difficult one. I've given Chambers an eight, and I'm making my man in a match. And Rico, I've given seven and a half. So if I can give him 7.75, then uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give him that. But okay. um, I might be an eight Might be an eight with an asterisk for Chambers as man in a match, <laughs> just because consistently through the game, sure. uh, you know, he did it, whereas Mitrovic, I thought, for, for the hour. But... He's just, uh, we've got to keep him fit. That's the other thing. And, um, you know, I've seen some comments about should he play against Chelsea? Of course he should. He's a, he's uh, in a streak of form. So even Absolutely. if he gets one goal, that might be enough. So uh, um, if we're losing against Chelsea and it, it looks like the game's over, then uh, I'd sub him because uh, we'd have more important game in the midweek Absolutely. against Leicester. So, uh, but yeah, uh, so an eight with an asterisk for Chambers. <laughs> I love that, Mike. All right, substitutes. Ryan O'Donovan gives them all five. I'm just going to read his commentary on each one of them. Stefan Johansson, he says, 
got involved in Fulham's counters and played some nice passes, but didn't have too much impact on the game. Bubakar Kamara, shoulder barge, Redmond into next week, but added very little in terms of quality to the pitch. Fuadeite had next to no time to have any effect on proceedings. So he gives them all a five. I'm curious your thoughts on this. And Mike, and also this is just something to think about as well. Do these players have a role under Ranieri? Do you think Ranieri can find a way to utilize these players that were helpful, extremely helpful in the championship? Can they have a role with Ranieri in the Premier League? Uh, first of all, in the March, yeah, I, th- I think five or six is fair. I mean, none of them really did that much. Um, you know, Kamara came on on right midfield, which, uh, you know, I, I thought was a bit of a mistake. If there's one thing, I do like Kamara, but, you know, he, he, he's not really a defend. He can't defend much. He, no. he hasn't got that brain. But, um, yeah, it was worth it just for that barge, you know, because <laughs> it was a really good barge. Yep. Um, I came on and, you know, maybe was a bit, you know, for five, ten minutes when he was on, maybe a bit better uh, defensively. And Johansson was Johansson. He got involved in a few things. I think he got a yellow as well. So, yep. uh, you know, job, job done, really, for, for Stefan. Um, but, yeah, all three of them will have a role, and as will other members of the squad. And, um, you know, whatever you think individually of what they can offer, that they are the squad at the moment until January. And we spoke about those seven games coming up yep. if we can even consider bringing someone else in so uh, yeah we're going to see minutes from all these guys I'm pretty sure and even if it's just so that Ranieri can can learn about them we all know much more about these players than Ranieri does and sure. um, you know, he's going to find out more about them as the games progress okay excellent there Mike all right listen again thank you so much for doing this with me I really enjoyed it Mike yeah, so have I. It was uh, it's good to talk about a win, like I said. Exactly. And, um, you know, we got a very tough game this Sunday, and uh, but a more important one during the week, I would say. And uh, you know, the main thing is he's going to have the squad this week um, all together, which he you know he only had for a day or two last week, and they're going to get more used to what he wants. And I'm sure they're working on tactics and positioning. And, and uh, we might see some tweaks on uh, on Sunday. Okay, Mike, before I let you go, because we talked already about it because we went through these seven matches, we started by talking about the Chelsea match. And I'm looking at this, and uh, I'm going to be doing a preview tomorrow on this with a, a Chelsea supporter, a friend of mine. And I know he's probably pretty down from the last match against Tottenham, but we should expect pretty much nothing from this. I would like to be optimistic about this, but Mike, is this more about just as just the performance here. I know we don't want just performances. Anything points related is a huge bonus against Chelsea. But what are you looking to get out of this match against Chelsea? Well, if we can get a point, I'll be, I'll be very happy. But <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's about seeing how the team cope against uh, one of the better teams in the league. So we, we've seen how we've played against City, Liverpool, Spurs, um, uh, you know, so th- this is a chance to uh, see how we can cope against Chelsea. Uh, against Spurs, we had a good 20-minute spell. Against Liverpool, we we battled hard. Against Man City, we didn't show anything. So, you know, uh, against an Arsenal, absolutely ripped us apart. So it's a chance against one of the top six teams. 
to show the defensive capability that we have. So Cameron Neri drill that into the team to give a really good defensive performance. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for on okay. Sunday. Um, it should be pretty, but uh, uh, as many of us are sort of beginning to understand at the moment, pretty is uh, probably not what we want at the moment. We just need a bit of uh, hard work and um, dedication and uh, on the training field to, to learn the positions required. Right, Mike, and, and listen, it's funny because uh, I'm one like yourself who, like the football under Savisa, I'll always have a very soft spot for Savisa for what he did for Fulham and the type of football that we saw. But the one thing that I got out of this match, and I think we're going to see more and more the longer these players play with Ranieri, is uh, something that he keeps talking about, the fighting spirit. I'm not saying that the players didn't, play for Jokanovic. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that they look more like a team, like a unit playing together. They look more like individuals under Savisa. That's basically my final thoughts, so I just wanted to share that with you. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I mean, it wasn't... I mean, it wasn't direct football we saw the other day. We still, no. you know, the passing, you said it yourself. You know, they the still have we What we're going to see is less of the passing around at the back, a bit more sort of, let's just get the ball forward in difficult positions. But when those front six have the ball, or front five, you know, whatever way you yep. want to look at it, um, then we're, we've still got players who can play really, really good football. So I'm Absolutely. not expecting us to suddenly turn into Cardiff or Stoke or anyone like that. So, uh, yes, our possession stats will go down. Um, and uh, But as the players evolve and the style evolves then we will see it settle down and uh you know i still think we have the ability to be a very good team in this division okay excellent mike great stuff all right it is time to wrap this up though for this episode of cottage talk for my co-host mike reg i'm russ Goldman. thank you as always for listening to cottage talk it's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match all your mates are around you've got your mcduggett share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.